Well, hello. Welcome to the Bold Men's Podcast. Yes. Sitting around the table today, it's me and it's Joe Graves. Uh, Our brother there, he is still out, yeah? Yeah, it's true. So we are today in James chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 13. If you want to pause this recording, read that passage, and then come back as we walk through it. That's James 2, 1 through 13. All right, my friend. So James is teaching us quite a bit here about how to live as a Christ follower, really. It's very practical, isn't it? Yes, it is. And he's going into a, a very important uh, idea here about showing partiality and what favoritism, how that can wreak havoc in our lives and, uh, and what that does with our relationship back with the Lord. I, I think it's vitally important we get a hold of this today. So verses 1 through 13 today uh, will be our focus. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, how about I read a couple? Yeah. And then we'll run through it, yeah? So my brothers, uh, James writes, Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the glory, the, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly... And a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, Here, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, You stand over there or you sit at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Hmm. Now that's pretty good. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So he's setting up a scenario, right? Yeah. He's, he's given. Uh, Let's just say uh, a situation that he probably heard might have been happening. Probably, and because it might be a natural instinct of ours, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And not to mention, you know, James was most likely uh, writing to Jews and to a Jewish-flavored church from Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. So uh, this would be something that they might do. In yeah. a mixed group of Gentiles sure. versus yeah. Jews. Absolutely. Right? Peter did it, and Paul got in Peter's face about yeah. that up in Antioch, That's right? right? Yeah. That's right. Um, and, uh, so in that setting, it was ethnic things. It was right? ethnic. It was ethnic-related. But now uh, it's riches, more riches versus poor, right? Sure, sure. Is the example. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't change the favoritism aspect. Yeah. I, I mean, today this might be somebody who, who just is clean and nice and you know, looks normal, we would say. Yeah. Versus someone who comes in and they're stinky and homeless perhaps or right. or drug addicted or, or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So um so he he lays up the situation, the fine man contrasting with the shabby man or sure. the poor man. And, and he points out that, you know, hey, listen, if you treat them differently based on those factors, then you're showing uh, favoritism. And you're becoming judges with evil thoughts. Right, right. I'm I'm trying to think back uh, of times when I've seen favoritism play out uh, in churches. And uh, it always gets to me when I see somebody, you know, dressed in a suit looking down on somebody mm. who, you know, in a church setting where, yeah. where they come in and maybe they don't have as much and they don't have a nice sure, suit. Sure, yeah. And and they look down their nose at somebody mm-hmm. that's uh, yeah, just yeah. you know, it's just poor form. Yeah, poor form. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. But you know, <laughs> you know, I'm guilty of this. I'll be honest with you. 
Yeah. As a pastor in a church, I'll just admit it. There are some people that are just easier to deal with than others. Sure. You know what I mean? There's and some oftentimes people, people mm. who are difficult to deal with are in the situations they're in in life and don't have the resources because of the fact that they're difficult. Yeah. Uh, sometimes that's the yeah. truth. But yeah. it doesn't change the fact yeah. that they're children of God as well. And a lot of times God uses those people to expose our weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I remember when I was in youth ministry, uh, I, I had a mother come in once, and she said, listen, you're showing favoritism to the kids. And I thought about it for a second. I said, well, you're, you're right. I do have favorites. And she was offended. She was greatly offended. I said, well, it's just the truth. I mean, there are kids that are easier to deal with, that are more fun to deal with than others. Uh, now, the question is, can I eliminate the – favoritism by its nature well well, no i i I can't there are going to be people who are naturally pulled in to 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 a person right naturally connected um but the question becomes how not (laughs) it's how i treat them right right i I can't treat people with with favoritism but we have to understand like you know listen this is not a equal uh equality setting like they're there are some people that are just easier, better, easier, whatever to get along with, to, to deal with. The question becomes, am I going to treat people who I don't get along super well with or don't click? Am I going to dishonor them in the way I treat them? That's the, I think that's the, the situation. You know what I mean? Sure. I, I get what you're saying. The danger here, I, I feel like, is if you only show favoritism to people that you get along with, Right, and and you, your church begins to become John Welch flavored. Right, you know, and that's that's a dangerous place to be sure. because you have a lot of people going. You're the best. You're the man. Well, you know, you, you you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, and, the church is naturally going to take the the temperament of its of its preaching ministry to some right? extent. Yes, that's unavoidable. You, unavoidable. The question comes down to though, are are people who aren't my people? Are they welcomed you know what i mean that's one of the great things about leesburg it, it, well, of course i'm biased but um uh that's one of the great things because i think people feel generally welcomed you know uh regardless of right you got a lot of money or right. little money or that's right your ethnic background and all that like we don't have a super uh ethnically diverse that's one of the big things today is uh uh in the church world is make sure you're <laughs> ethnically diverse listen we're in cornfield in kentucky right it's yeah, it's not, you know. You're not going to find. Yeah, a lot of ethnicity. So. Variance. But we are equal opportunity going to step on your toes as well. We're not going to show <laughs> yeah. you favoritism with that. Yeah, that's right. If if you are screwing it up, mm-hmm. you're going to be told, yeah, you know, that's wh- right. whether you're my friend or not, yeah. we have to be equal opportunity yeah. in that. And yeah. I think that's some of the, the danger here, right? Mm-hmm. The rich man, hey, come sit up in this place of honor. So, and the poor man, yeah. you get back here in the back where we can't see you so we can enjoy our service. So let me, let me throw a wrench in <laughs> our application of this. Okay. Um, and we've talked about this before. Uh, this is heavy on me right now. Not heavy on me, but fresh on me because of our, our marriage thing that we're doing right now. We're doing marriage enrichment nights, and we've been uh-huh. going through the Song of Solomon. And um, uh, this past Saturday, we dealt with uh, sex and sexuality uh, and uh, a positive view on that. And one of the points that I made uh, as we talked about sex and sexuality 
uh, uh, in the Song of Solomon, specifically chapters 3 and 4, God has an ordained way that sex and sexuality are supposed to happen, right? Anything outside of that is sin. Now, today it's very easy for us and understandable for us uh, with the spiritual uh, religion of, of, of the LGBTQ movement. It's easy for us to throw stones there. But I challenged our guys, guys and gals Saturday night. So one of the big areas that we fail in this is that we don't deal with cohabitation. Right. Cohabitation is the largest sexual sin that's prevalent in Christian churches. 100%. That's not dealt with. And it's hard to preach on it and teach on it because if somebody's in that situation, they might feel condemned or picked on or whatever. So it makes it really hard to deal with. But shouldn't they feel condemned? Oh well, certain. Well, not picked on necessarily. Sure, they should feel guilt. They should right? feel the guilt of the Holy Spirit, but not working condemnation. On them. And same thing with LGBTQ plus people that come into our church. Sure. They should feel that that uh, guilt, but not condemned. You know what I mean? Um, because our job's not to condemn, right? Right. We don't condemn. We just teach according to the Word of God, and then that it's well, where I was, it I was saying condemned as far as the future judgment that coming to them if they don't change. Oh, sure, yeah. There's a condemnation yeah. coming their way, right? Yeah. Yeah. By God, the only yeah. one that can condemn. Yeah, that's right. And and so and, and so then, if I were to throw stones at, let's say, the, you know, uh, a, a young man who's struggling with same-sex attraction, uh, if I throw stones at him, um, but I, I show favoritism to the person who's cohabitating, you know what I mean? Yep. That, that's a that's an application that makes it a little harder with this passage because, like, hang on, maybe, hmm, maybe we're we're more guilty of this than we thought. I I do believe you're right, but it's we have blind spots yeah. naturally, yeah. And, uh, yeah, where where we just things will sneak up on you, and you so you always have to be bouncing ideas off of other men of God, yeah. that are, you know, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. that's that's what bold's good for. That's I, right. We're, they keep me on my toes. <laughs> yes, we, we've all got bond pods, and so we need people yeah. who will speak truth yes, to us. Absolutely. You know? yeah. and, and and for guys that are listening, I mean, we've shared this before. Like, the three of us, we've given each other hunting lessons in our lives, right? Yeah. Sometimes I might not see sin in my life, and so that's where Joe or you or Larry or you know, come to me and you, you point that out. And, I, and because I know you and because of our relationship, yep. uh, I take your words much more seriously than I would some Joe Schmo. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I, I know you're men of God, and I know you want the best for me and for his kingdom, and so yeah. I listen to that with a lot more weight than someone else. Well, that's a, what what happens is when you have that relationship, it, it fosters spiritual maturity mm-hmm. in a way that you can't get off by yourself. Yeah. Uh, you can read the Bible all you want, and that's great. Mm-hmm. It's going to bring some maturity, but you can't get that real maturity until you, you apply it in, in yeah. w- with somebody else in a in a uh, like a man to man relationship like yeah. that, or you know, yeah. yeah, women, women to women relationship right. like that, that that fosters that maturity. You know, there's one more thing here that stands out to me in this first four verses, uh, and you might have more, but um, he says you've become judges with evil thoughts. And I think, well, what what is that evil thought? And and I think it comes down to what do I get out of this person? How is this person beneficial to me? In this setting, it's a wealth, it's a wealthy person. Uh, you have evil thoughts and say, well, how can this relationship, how can this person's influence benefit me, benefit uh, uh, this movement or whatever? Um, uh, and, and in that, we, we start to see people as commodities, right? 
Um, oh, yeah. Uh, come out of this well, to be enjoyed. What or, can you do for yeah. me? Yeah. That's right. You make my congregation look better, sit up front. You make it look worse, get in the yeah. back, right? Yeah. Um, so what's wrong with those kind of judgments? Why, why is it evil is well, the question you need to it's, ask. Yeah, yeah. And the answer, I think, is one of the answers is it's selfish, right? Selfishness self- is the root of that. Right. thinking and not yeah. gospel thinking. And, and ultimately, pride mm-hmm. is, is one of the biggest roots of that, right? Uh, your own evil pride wanting to make yourself look better than what you are and your yeah. congregation look better, right? Yeah, and, that's right. And uh, maybe you're hoping that you're going to get something from that rich guy because you showed him honor. Yeah, that's right. And nothing a rich guy likes more than to be stroked, right? Oh, man, yeah. Just they absolutely. love they yeah. love that. We all like our ego to yeah, be boosted, but, right? But they get, you got to be careful. They get, yeah. they get that ego. Be warned when all men speak well of you, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And so then verse 5? Yeah, go for it. So five, verse 5. 5 through 7. Listen, my my beloved brothers, has not God cho- has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He has promised to those who love Him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you have been called? Well, if we look at that passage here, again, he's just driving home this point. Of, see, you, you are you're you're cutting off the branch on which you're sitting. <laughs> oh yeah, that's basically what yeah. he's saying here. Uh, God's chosen the poor to be rich in the faith, right? Uh, and you think about the gospel proclamation. I mean, look what G- the, the disciples Jesus chose uh, were were fishermen and people who were often overlooked. Um, they weren't air, They weren't uh, prominent people in Judaism or in the first century. You've got tax collectors and fishermen, right? Um, but has he not chosen those who are poor to be heralds of this kingdom? Certainly he has. Um, in fact, we see the rich people, the people who've, with no right, who come to uh, the, uh, attempt to follow Jesus, turn away with disdain because... Such as the rich young ruler. Yeah, because, um, well, because they were used to a certain level or whatever of life and living, of prominence, and they weren't going to get that because in the kingdom of God... There's nothing about me. It's all about he. Right. So I often think about that rich young ruler and uh, what he was facing. He thought he could bring his money to the table. Mm-hmm. He could fund Jesus and 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 bring yeah. all that. And Jesus didn't want any of it because it was all rooted in pride, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. what he could do for Jesus, and instead of what Jesus could do for him. Yeah. And I think money gets in the way of that relationship with Christ. Well, I mean, here's a practical example, I think. Here recently in Kentucky, we've experienced what some have called a a revival or an awakening at Asbury Theological Seminary. And other colleges. Or Asbury College, I guess, university. I don't know if it—anyway, Asbury. And, um, and of course, that spread uh, for a couple weeks to other colleges I think they go by Asbury College. Well, there's two there. There's one's the seminary and one is okay. the university. There is a, a seminary yes. university within or yes. college within the university. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So okay. In, anyway, um, of course, that spread to a couple of different places. El- Lexington Christian Academy, I think last week, had a uh, an awakening, a, a revival of sorts in their student body, whatever, you know. And that's great and fine. Sure. It, uh, but watch what happened. It went on for like three weeks at Asbury. And of course, I mean, there's a lot of debate as to 
how authentic and stuff. This and the the fruit of any revival throughout history has always been the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus through the preaching of His Word and 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 uh, repenting of sinfulness. That's right. always been the fruit of revivals. That's what changed our culture. Singing about Jesus is my boyfriend type songs is not going to bring revival, right? Right. Singing how he loves us 14 times is not going to bring about revival. It makes you feel good, perhaps, but that doesn't change anything. The, the metric by which we should measure all that is, is lives changed. Now, that being said... I uh, was rather surprised that I didn't see uh, an evangelist stand up and begin to preach... Right during during those times of worship yep. at Asbury. I, so interestingly enough, I don't know if you know this, but according to the university, uh, they were contacted by several notable speakers and preachers and bands, and they thought, well, we'll swing in and we'll help out. And, we'll, and probably wisely, the university said to many of these people, or all of those people, no, we're not going to go that route. Thank you for reaching out, but we're not terribly interested in that because it could very well become opportunistic right to those right. individuals right yeah I'd, i think that would be dangerous right if if it if was some christian band comes in and, you know right okay. yeah but i'm talking about an evangelist not yeah, like a televangelist right. i'm talking about somebody who called to preach somebody with a preached. message right they yeah. just maybe a no name yeah. just stand up and hey yeah. you need to turn your life over to christ yeah. if yeah. and if you've got secret sin let's turn it out yeah. let's, yeah. let's have a yeah. revival you know that's now, the type of thing that causes a yeah. true revival. Yeah, yeah. So so I'm happy to say perhaps it's an awakening, right? Sure. Great. Fine, great, wonderful, and we'll see the fruit from it uh, uh, in, in days, uh, weeks, months to come. Uh, but one of the interesting things that I thought was there was a large evangelist, uh, evangelical evangelist that came into town after everything's starting to shut down. Things are starting to wane in Asbury. And, uh, and he rented Rupp Arena. Did you see that story? I heard about it. Yes. Guy, I don't I know, know who somebody he, went down there, and there know. was maybe two hundred people there. Yeah, I don't know who the guy was. I don't know, but uh, uh, his, his, the thinking I'm sure was with my name, my resources, my notoriety, with the purse that I've got, we can make this thing go further. And if you look at if you measure what happened as the outcome, you had maybe two hundred people there. Yeah, you know, sometimes. Uh, Again, we think that we bring something special to the table, and what James is teaching us here is that God brings special. Right. You don't. Right. You know, we always like to see ourselves as the heroes, uh, but Scripture teaches that we're the villains. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. so, um, so he says these rich people—they oppress you. They're the ones who drag you into court, aren't they? They're the people who who right. They they don't honor you. So why do you do that? Why do you bend yourself over for them? Yeah, they're they're not altogether lovely. Uh, a lot of, I mean, sure, there's some some very spirit filled, uh, devoted, rich people, but but but, but he, I, I mean, I, I think sometimes we because of the terminology that he uses, we often will harp on the rich. But sure, that's the, the, not the point. It's not about monetary wealth. It's about uh, it's about uh, 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 worldview, I guess. Right? Do I see myself as somebody important? Right? Um, it so. it bids the question. How and why did God choose the poor of this world? Well, I think it's the same reason God chose Israel. What was Israel before Israel was Israel? They were a bunch of sheep herders. Well, before that, they were nothing. Yeah. God made a people out of Abraham, right? Seventy people. So there's no way that they could say, look how awesome we are. You know what I mean? God's promise started when there were no people to Abraham and then to his descendants. 
God formed Israel. Yeah. That's why in in the um, uh, 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 Ten Commandments, I am the Lord your God who who brought you out of Egypt. Look at the power that I have, and because of what I've done, now your expectation is this, right? But it all centered not on how awesome you are, but how awesome I am, God says. Have you ever thought about the way uh, the the birth of Israel like that was sort of like the birth of a woman? Because, you know, Jacob, his children went down into Egypt and took cap- captivity, but they were also protected down in Egypt for a long time, and they grew massively in numbers. and Like a baby grows in a womb, they grew uh-huh. in Egypt and swelled up, and then when they left, it was through the Red Sea, the birth the canal. Placenta? And, yeah, they, and they, they came oh, right that's, out. Through, that's making too much. <laughs> they came through the Red yeah, Sea like a birth oh. canal, right? And, and, yeah, and I've never thought was, of that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought of that. don't know if I'll ever want to think of that again, but... But I get it. Yeah, yeah. It, it was interesting. Uh, <laughs> oh, geez. At that point, somebody just threw up. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> and so, yeah. look at verse. Uh, where are we? Seven, I guess. Uh, right? Yeah, seven. Uh, well, or eight. I'm sorry. Well, yeah. Go go ahead. Yeah. Verse, v- eight. verse eight. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. So here's the royal law. Look at your neighbor the way you love yourself. Uh, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin and convicted by trend, by the law as transgressors. I mean, again, he's just thrown this point down. The, so what is the royal law? Well, to love your neighbor as to yourself. To love your neighbor. Yeah. As he calls it the royal law, but it was, what, two-thirds of the Ten Commandments. Yeah. You know, well, six out of ten. Yeah were basically love your neighbors yourself. You know, don't bear yeah. false witness. Love your parents, right? Yeah. Don't commit adultery. Don't don't covet. You know, uh, lots of these commandments that were basically saying, "Hey, treat people the way you want to be treated," mm-hmm. right? You know, love your neighbors. You love yourself. Yeah. The first four yeah. were, you know, about God, loving God, mm-hmm. yeah, and having no other God in front of them, yeah. unless you're in another. Division of Christianity, I guess. Or, well, I've researched more of that, but that's you, for another day. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> there is some debate on what the Ten Commandments are out there. I mean, they're the same Ten Commandments. Sure, they're just sure. separated up, different. Yeah. The Catholic Church the Catholic Church would separate it three and seven. Right. And because of the, the significance of the three and the significance of seven. So, right. But anyway, that's yeah. for another day. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but if you fulfill this royal law of, of, of loving your neighbors yourself, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin, and you're convicted by the law as transgressors. Why? Because you're not loving your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. So that's, that's how favoritism is causing mm-hmm. you to break that, loyal, yeah. that, that royal law. It's, you are breaking it by showing favoritism. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and then he continues here, and he says, Whoever keeps the whole law but falls at one point has become guilty of all of it. For for he who said do not commit adultery and do not murder, uh, if you do commit adultery, I'm sorry, if you do not commit adultery but do murder, you've become a transgressor of the law. The idea here is if you sinned, you've sinned. <laughs> you know, you know in verse 10 there, it says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails on one point has, been, has become guilty of all of it. Why does that seem so unfair 
to humanity. Well, look at all the good I've done. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, and, yeah, I lied. I lied, but it didn't kill anybody. Or I stole a piece of bubble gum as a kid, but I haven't stolen anything in a long time. Mm. And, but you're still a thief. Yeah, that's right. You know, uh, it doesn't change. And, and if you start to look, well, you're stealing all kinds of stuff at yeah. this point. You got downloaded some songs. Have you... Uh, you know, taking a parking spot you shouldn't have taken, or mm-hmm. you know, have you? Uh, you may not be stealing out of a uh, a grocery store, yeah. But we all thieve in different ways, and uh, I did. <laughs> I listen to Ray Comfort a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. from, yeah, he does a good job. He does a really out good the job. Fact that we're all yeah sinners and liars <laughs> and adulterers, <doesn't> <laughs> a lying thief. <laughs> yeah, right. He he often points out that it doesn't matter when you committed the sin that. It's a sin that's been committed, yeah. and it doesn't matter how big it is; it's still there. And and pointing out here in verse ten, you know, if you fail in one little point, the entire law has been broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just seems unfair to humanity to to have that one point. Well, I've kept all the other nine. Yeah, but if we two. really put it into perspective, perspective it makes much more sense i used to use this analogy with uh with students when i was in youth ministry i said listen everybody likes brownies right yeah everybody likes brownies if i take just a little bit of poop and put in the brownie batter and then mix it up and then (laughs) make brownies who wants the brownies and they're like no nobody that's gross it's terrible why because i've transgressed at one it's just a little bitty point but it's ruined the whole batch you know what i mean there there was uh, a movie i think it was called the service or the help Remember that movie? The I Help? haven't seen it. Yeah. I heard a lot was, about it. Yeah, there was a woman, a uh, black woman, who was mm-hmm. a maid for mm-hmm. a, a southern rich family, and the the white woman was just nasty, right? Yeah. And, and uh, she made a chocolate pie for the white no, woman. No, she didn't, did she? And she did the terrible awful, Ooh. is what she called it. Yikes. The terrible, terrible awful. awful. <laughs> mm, boy, that's so terrible awful. So I think if you put in a little bit of that <laughs> in some brownies, I'm thinking that's the terrible awful, John. <laughs> that's terrible awful. But it's the point, and that's the point that, that, that he's making here, is, 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 uh, yeah. is if we've transgressed a little bit, we've, we've done it all, right? right? Well, it's like yeast in a loaf of bread. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it'll take yeah. over the whole loaf. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's that whole vision there too yeah it's a pass fail right yes it's not a sliding scale it's a pass fail yes it's you know you either you either meet the mark or you don't and and we don't and we don't we don't now here's here here's the danger side of that because we don't we often say, "Well, none of, none of us are perfect. We've all sinned, right?" Well, isn't that a pitfall? And so then we excuse our sinfulness. You know what I mean, right? And say, "Well, listen, we're all sinners, right?" That's, that's not deal. You know, so Joe, I see sin in your life, but but I said, "Well, I can't say anything to, about Joe's sin because we've all sinned. I've sinned too, right? We've all sinned, and so Grace, you know, uh, Jesus died for that sin, and so we kind of excuse ourselves instead of the biblical response to that is to repent, right?" Turn about face. Turn about. Go the other direction. Work aggressively against it uh, and, and pursue Jesus. Uh, we often fail to repent. You know what I mean? We accept grace, but we don't repent. And therefore, we only think we've accepted grace. Just because there's grace doesn't mean truth doesn't exist. Yeah. It's still well, there. As Paul says in Romans 6, shall I continue to sin so that grace may increase? Absolutely not. For don't you know that you've died to sin? How can you continue to live in it? Yep. And then he points back to their baptism. He, he says, says, by virtue I, of your baptism, you've been buried with Christ. 
You're dead in your trespasses. Yes. You've been buried with him and raised to a new life. He You've raises the bar free. so high in mm-hmm. Romans 6. He says, I should therefore consider myself to be dead to sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it would no longer reign in my mortal yeah. body, right? Yeah. I mean, Hebrews the, 2 tells us that Jesus came to break the bonds of chains of death, the fear of death that Satan held captive over us. Yes. You've been transgre- transformed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, Paul later says. But we often live in the darkness, seeing a shimmering light, continue to live in the darkness yeah. because we don't take our sin seriously. You say, well, it's just, <laughs> you know, so anyway, I, I don't, don't want to get off a rabbit hole there. But, but Well, it's, it's important. Uh, we can't over-apply this text without, over, without applying the rest of Scripture. You know what correct. I mean? The point here is we're all sinners, absolutely. So go and sin no more. <laughs> that's that's the point. Uh, verse 11, uh, after saying, you know, uh, whoever keeps the whole law but fails on in this one point has become, become guilty of all of it. He says, for he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. And if you do commit adultery but do not murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. See, driving home the point in this example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because you didn't, you know, yeah. murder, but you committed the adultery, well, you're still a transgressor. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just common sense, right? I mean. So uh, then, so yeah. then you have uh, the 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 royal law here, right? The the whole law, the royal law of loving your neighbor. And then we have this new law that's introduced or reintroduced in verse 12. He yes. says, so speak and, and so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. That's a new one. So what <laughs> is the law of liberty? <laughs> so the law of liberty says, I all things are lawful for me now, but not all things edify, yeah. in the words of Paul. Yeah. That's the law of liberty. Yeah. I have liberty in Christ to go do whatever. That he he leads me to do. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. Uh, this has uh, in chapter one, he talked about this as the perfect law. If you look into the perfect law, uh, the the law of liberty, he says, and persevere. You're you're one who who doesn't just hear, um, but you're one who who does right. He says, uh, you're not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. And so, in this law of liberty, we're living under the the new law that's been established by Christ. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's not I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me, Paul says, right? And so it's there's a liberty there. I'm, I'm set free from the bondage of sin. Yes. But that doesn't necessarily mean I'm free to go and sin. In fact, I, as you referenced, I'm dead to sin, right? Yes. So I live according to my new uh, uh, king, I've been transformed from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of light. So I live under that authority. When Jesus rose, his farewell speech to his disciples, he said, all authority has been given to me, therefore go, I'm sending you to make disciples. We often, you know, this has been one of the things that God's been putting on my heart a lot lately. We often think about that as converting people. But there's an aspect of that. You're not necessarily converting. God does that. The Holy Spirit does that. Our job is to say, hey, there's a new sheriff in town. 
Christ, by the virtue of his resurrection, has all authority in this life and the one to come. And so live under his authority, and that's the law of, of liberty. New sheriffs in town, new way, a new world order. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I always looked at it as, from an agricultural expect, perspective, I'm only sowing the seed or watering or cultivating the ground, mm-hmm. you know, trying to keep the weeds off the ground so the crop can grow, or I'm trying and getting ready for the harvest. You know, the, those are agricultural uh-huh. uh, terminologies that were used all through Scripture and especially the New Testament to describe what we're doing when we yeah. share the gospel, when we share Christ with somebody. Uh, it has nothing to do with us. The life comes from God. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But, we just have to be out there working and but, doing it. And that's the thing. We've got to be diligent in our work, right? Yes, we're yes. not sitting back and saying, well, God's going to grow it, and so he'll take care of it. You know, I, I love in The Chosen, uh, you remember the episode where they're feeding the 5,000? Yeah, and boy, and Peter, of course, this isn't biblical, but uh, <laughs> but Peter's ticked off at Jesus uh, for his personal reasons, and yeah, uh, and they come. They said, Peter, you know, what are we going to do? He's uh, he's Jesus. He'll take care of it if he wants to, right? He said, if he wants to, if he yeah. wants to, for, yeah. you know. And we yeah. have to kind of think these guys had problems in their own home. Yeah, still, Peter yeah. was married. He probably had problems. Well, right? without a doubt, he was yeah. gone for months at a time. Right? Yeah. I mean. Yeah, talk about yeah. problems. Yeah, take Without off for a, a month and come back home and see yeah. how your wife feels about it. Well, my my wife might send me away for a month. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, but um, but he, if he wants to, he'll take care of it. You know, it's, it's not a question of if he can, if he right. wants to, right? Yeah. And so, anyway, um, which, which he didn't make a false statement. No, I mean he'll, it, t- it, he'll take care of if he wants to. Yeah. yeah. But he says in verse thirteen, for judgment is without mercy. To the one who has shown no mercy. Mm. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mm. <sighs> you know, you have this picture of, uh, you know, Jesus told that parable of the unmerciful servant. Yeah. He owed this, he owed the, the ruler, like, you know, I don't know, 40 years, 50 years, 60, whatever, years of wages. Yeah, it and, was um, terrible. He'd never get, he'd never get out. Now, this king has the option. He can throw him in prison until the debts are paid, but it will never be repaid. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, uh, it's going to save the king, really. Uh, it's going to save the king money if he just forgives it. Because not forgiving it is going to cost him more by putting him in prison. Right. So, he forgives it. And then this unmerciful servant, Jesus tells, goes out and he finds somebody that owes him like a day's you know, pocket change. And, and the guy can't pay it, and so he has him... Uh, hauled off to jail until it can be repaid. You know, what was the motivation of the unmerciful servant? The motivation. What was his motivation going out and and doing that to somebody? Well, I, think, I guess selfishness, it, right? Entire, entirely Taking for granted the grace and the mercy that had been shown to him. Right, right. He stood to make 100% profit at that point for any debt that he collected because it had all been forgiven him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he saw an incredible opportunity to become massively rich or at least richer than it was well yeah i mean it was a 40 or 50 years worth of wages well well had he had collected that no it, it was much less than that i think it was the equivalent of like a, a couple days wages I, I don't think it was no no i i'm, I'm not the talking king. about the the servant to the king oh yeah yeah he he owed a massive amount yes right. and so whatever he would have collected would it have gone like, to the king right maybe not if the king had forgiven it. 
Right, but now that the king's forgiven, so he owes no one else, so this is all going to be mine. It's all profit. Yeah, it's all profit. That's right. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, okay, I'm with you now. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm with you now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So he was greed. Oh, man. Red. What a nasty way to be. Took a hold of him. Yeah. And twisted him. What a nasty way to be. Yeah. But mercy triumphs over judgment. You know, we've got to be merciful in our dealings with one another. We've got to be merciful. We've got to show mercy because we've been extended mercy. Now, that does not mean we excuse our sinfulness or the sinfulness of those around us. Uh, I'm getting firmer and firmer on this idea that we need to uh, address sin wherever it is, whether it's in your life, my life, in our church, in our community, in our country. We need to be vocal about it. Yes, outspoken at least. Uh, Outspoken. We need to make it very clear so there's no— because one of the biggest—I mean, think about the the biggest fear, I think, for a preacher— and I've had this dream, and I've talked to most preachers I know have had this dream where we're walking, not theologically accurate, but we're walking in heaven, and then there's people walking past us that we had pastored in our churches. And they look at us and say, why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you tell us? What a terrible, ter- terrible feeling. Um, uh, well, we need to tell it. You need to tell We need the to truth. be very clear, uh, but do so in love, in kindness, not to beat up on a brother or sister, uh, but to encourage them uh, all the more as we see the day approaching. There is a very clear difference between judgment and mercy, and uh, and what judgment is maybe isn't exactly what the t- world today thinks it is. Mm. Like, if you have an opinion that goes against the mainstream media, uh, LGBTQ plus yeah. platform, mm-hmm. you're looked at as being a bigot who's being judgmental. Right, yeah. And that they call that judgment. But mm-hmm. in honesty, it's mercy to share truth. Yeah, how, how much must you hate someone not to? Not to share the truth, mm-hmm. right? To allow them to die in that in sins, sin yeah. and, and just to, to burn eternally. It's it's frightening and, to, and terribly hateful to do that to somebody. And yeah. I think... When you realize that, you can't help but to share the truth of the love of God, the light of God with people. So in light of these verses, John, do we have any right, really, to uh, withhold mercy? No, because we've been shown mercy. Right? Right. Yeah. I think that's the key point to this entire uh, passage today. Our walk is so important to God. He wants us to realize that when we show favoritism, that we are being unmerciful to the poor and have made our own judgment about the right place of the rich man compared to the poor man. Yeah. And and in light of that, you're disobeying the royal law, the law of love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. Amen. Joe, it's always fun studying yeah, with you, my absolutely, friend. absolutely, brother. Always fun. <laughs> hey, uh, listener, feel free to join us every Monday night from 6 to 7 at The Hub. God bless. Take care. Be bold. What? <laughs>